Gold demand in 2022 was the strongest since 2011. Here we see annual gold demand jumped 18%. Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcadia Economics, and welcome on into the show today, where we are going to dig through some of the recent news out in the gold and silver world, including gold reaching demand levels that we haven't seen since 2011 amidst everything that's going on. One quick note, normally we do have Andy Sheckman give his physical silver report on Tuesdays, although he was traveling this week. But for everyone who likes to hear from Andy each week, again, we'll be back next week. But in his absence today, let us dig in because we had a recent report that was covered on CNBC as well, which we'll get to in a moment. But gold demand in 2022 was the strongest since 2011. Here we see annual gold demand jumped 18% to 4,741 tons, almost on par with 2011. Obviously, 2011 was another big year for both gold and silver. That was when gold got up to 19, over $1,900 an ounce. Silver just below $50 in response to the QE2 package. U.S. getting downgraded and a lot of the other things that started this trajectory on this road that we have traveled down now where quantitative easing almost seems like a normal part of life, even if temporarily on pause. But interesting to see that we're getting back to some of those demand levels for gold, which I think is representative of how certain groups of the market are feeling about the current situation. Obviously, there are some that still have full confidence in the Fed that they're going to rein in inflation and keep things in check. Although certainly one of the groups that this report details is the record central bank gold buying which came in at a 55-year high of 1,136 tons. We've talked about that a lot on the show over the past couple of months, where despite gold and silver coming out of the ETFs, we see from the central banks continuing to buy gold amid sanctions, Russia getting kicked out of SWIFT, and just a general sense that the need for a secure asset without counterparty risk, perhaps greater than ever, Interesting note here that despite all the price movement over the year, that 2022 saw a record annual average LBMA gold price of $1,800 per ounce, which certainly if you go back a couple of months ago in time, may seem hard to believe, but in record territory and even on the silver side, while well, the price is in the $22 range, when you look back historically, that's still a higher silver price than we've seen for most of silver's history. Uh, again, still a bit below the $50 high in 1980 and 49 and change high in 2011. But all in all, not surprising in the current environment to see large demand for gold. Here, retail investment lifted bar and coin demand to a nine-year high. And also CNBC talking about the same thing. They had a report out last week. They were also mentioning the impact by the central banks. Which certainly makes it interesting that this was happening during a time when the Fed was actually raising interest rates, but did see the prices of both gold and silver recover in the fourth quarter. And again, we see that the demand for gold is still there. Interesting here is Wells Fargo with a year-end target of 1900 to 2000 although their analyst mentions we may even need to increase our year-end 2023 target should the dollar remain range-bound. And we gain confidence that rate hikes are near their end, which does seem to be the case. 
Here was an article on NPR. It had an interesting data point. This was from Stefan Gleason of Money Metals Exchange, mentioning that ever since prices started rising in the early lockdown, his business has been through the roof. We've seen five to 10 times more order volume. And he says customers tell him the last few years have shaken their faith in U.S. dollars, stocks, and cryptocurrency, but they trust gold. So certainly a different environment than what we were living through over many portions of the last 10 years. And here's an article that came out from Adrian Day, was posted on Goldfix Substack. Had an interesting comment here because he was talking about how it's not necessarily just inflation or the rate hikes or rate cuts that affect the market, but also when the market participants believe that that's going to begin to change. So he mentions here, when will gold move up? Since gold's drop in March, my response to the question has been gold will finally respond to inflation has been the same. Gold will turn when more investors realize the Federal Reserve will be unlikely to achieve its 2% inflation goal. Its current policies will likely provoke a serious recession. And at that point, it will not follow through and quash inflation. So I think that's a consensus view that a lot of people in the gold and silver community or that we bring on the show talk about don't think that's quite as much as the mainstream perception yet that's why the activity out of the fed obviously is always important in the pricing of these things but certainly once they get to the end of their rate hikes and then we see how things look then will be a big driver of what's happening going forward obviously we have the debt ceiling coming back into the news and while i would imagine they will eventually just raise the debt ceiling limit again certainly that has its impact And here we have an interesting quote from Morgan Stanley in terms of gold versus silver. And they mentioned volatility of silver prices is going to be two to three times greater than that of gold on any given day. This is due to the silver market being significantly smaller. Silver is increasing applications industry could help close the gap. And professionals are hailing silver as having a much higher ceiling due to its industrial potential. And of course, we've seen the stockpiles get lower. Here is an updated chart of the COMEX registered silver stockpile down under 33 million ounces to 32.51. And we've seen it stay rather steady over the past two months. You see back to November, just over 34 million ounces, although compared to the decline of the last two years, that has been pretty flat. Again, if we back out to the 10-year chart here, you can see here at Silver Squeeze had the 150 million ounces, pretty sharp decline since then, and certainly one of the things that we'll be keeping an eye on this year. And in terms of just some of the metals in general, this was something that Vince Lancey passed along. I think he commented on this briefly in his report yesterday, but just putting in size the perspective of some of these metal markets here mentions Apple's $2.1 trillion market cap value at year end exceeded the $1.4 trillion combined market value of the world's top 50 mining companies. Article mentions you could buy the world's 50 most valuable mining companies, the next 50, and have enough left over to snap up three years of global copper mine production and buy 2022 seaborne iron ore, all of it, which of course is not to say that Apple is going to sell their company to buy metals, but we know that modern society can function without Apple, but it cannot function without these critical metals. And certainly the green energy transition, as they mentioned here, biggest purchase order in the history of commodities. Certainly going to be a lot of demand for copper. While a conventional gasoline power car requires 25 kilograms or 55 pounds of copper, typical EV needs more than double this amount. 
And here they mentioned last year's authorized copper projects amount to less than 300,000 metric tons, lowest level in 15 years. Of course, if China reopens, that could be another boost for demand for a lot of these metals. And at the same time, exchange-based inventories of copper and all other base metals continue to shrink. We've had a lot of miners on here talking about how a lot of these big copper projects not getting easier to permit. And certainly with the green initiatives going forward, going to be a bid in the demand for a lot of these industrial metals. Here's another story on the gold side showing that Russians buy a record number of gold bars in 2022. And down here mentioning many market participants believe an increased demand for gold among Russians will remain as many Russians investing in are investing in gold as an alternative to investing in the currencies of so-called unfriendly countries. So we're seeing the effects of a lot of these things continuing to build. I would imagine that has something to do with seeing the gold price rally over the last quarter and certainly with the way that the world is heading. And then if you do throw on a Fed pivot on top of that, it will be interesting to see where things go from there. Although back here at home in the United States, interesting note that Wyoming Senate votes to hold, invest, receive tax payments in gold and silver. Wyoming, they're looking at a bill that would authorize the use of specie and legal tender for the payment of mineral taxes. And by creating a mechanism which enables Wyoming to receive tax, tax payments or to potentially make payments in gold and silver, Cowboy State would establish an alternative human, unit of payment in face of a Federal Reserve note that continues to be devalued. So just interesting to see that even on a state level, some states looking at furthering their gold and silver policies. And then one last note here, Indian refiners pay traders in Durham's for Russian oil. Indian refiners have begun paying for most of their Russian oil purchased via Dubai in United Arab Emirates dirhams instead of US dollars. Indian refiners and traders concerned they may not be able to continue to settle trade in dollars. This has led to seek alternative methods of payments, which could also aid Russia's efforts to de-dollarize its economy in the face of Western sanctions. So we continue to see the events of last year ripple throughout the world, throughout the global financial markets, and certainly throughout gold and silver. And I don't think it's a coincidence you're seeing so many of these things happen at the same time, which is perhaps what has led people for decades to be interested in gold and silver, where you saw some of these things building and now seemingly accelerating. And certainly one person that has been on top of that for quite a while, like to just pass this along, Bill Holter, who has a new site up at BillHolter.com. As you may know, he used to write for Jim Sinclair's JS Mindset, now does have his own site. So good to see Bill writing again. And just want to let people know that he is doing that at BillHolter.com. Obviously, Bill's been covering this for quite a while. Write some great pieces so you can stay in touch with what he is up to at BillHolter.com. And lastly, before we wrap up, just wanted to thank Raina Silver, who sponsored today's video. Raina did have their drill results back at Medicine Springs, where one of their holes came back with 1,021 grams per ton silver over 2.4 meters, within 274 grams per ton silver over 4.7 meters. And as Dr. Peter McGaw mentions, successfully intercepting bonanza-grade mineralization in such a thick host rock section lets us confidently check off two of the most important features we want to see in any early carbonate replacement deposit exploration program. So 
Along with their Gigi and Batopilis projects, they are continuing to move things forward and will be doing drilling throughout the year. So going to wrap up for today, but that is the gold and silver news. Look forward to seeing you again tomorrow with John Little on his Wednesday report.